episode 29. Welcome to the podcast, Life of Awesome. My name is Saul Blinkoff. I'm a husband, father of four, and director-producer who works for some of the top studios in Hollywood, including Disney, DreamWorks, and Netflix. My goal? Simple. I want to live the best life I possibly can, and I want the same for you. I travel the world talking about life, and if there's one thing I've learned, every single person on the planet wants the exact same thing. We don't want a life of good. We don't want a life of great. We want a life of awesome. I really want to thank you for being here today listening. I realize there are so many podcasts out there, and I really appreciate you giving me the most valuable thing that you have, your time. If you like the podcast, please hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, a review, and of course, share it with your family and friends. That said, let's get into it. They say that wisdom comes from experience. Well, the older we get, there is one thing that becomes more obvious to all of us, and that is while life can often be exhilarating and wondrous, it is also fraught with pain, struggle, and self-doubt. Nobody, and I mean nobody, escapes it. That's what it means to be human. That's what it means to be alive. However, so often we feel we are the only ones struggling the only ones whose relationships don't seem perfect, or the only one who thinks raising kids is difficult. The real test is to know that we are not the only ones. We don't need to go through the pain. We need to grow through the pain. Well, my next guest is truly extraordinary. And while she hasn't had an easy life, she is certainly living a meaningful one. She has devoted herself to making an impact on the world by encouraging people to embrace life and find true joy and purpose while eliminating the need to be perfect and live up to unrealistic expectations. She is a wife, a mother, an author, a YouTube sensation, and even performs a tour of her own one-woman show. She was a winner on Oprah's Search for the Next Star reality show and has created hundreds of videos on relationships, dating, marriage, parenting, mental health, and even some incredibly creative recipes. Her messages have exceeded 1 billion views. She embodies self-acceptance and resilience mixed in with a whole lot of wit, charm, goofiness, and hilarity. Please welcome the woman who gives new definition to the words hope and humor, Christina Kuzmich. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hi, Christina. It is a pleasure, a pleasure to have you today. And uh, I'll just tell you, my wife uh, is so excited about this interview. Uh, It's my wife uh, who introduced me to you. How many times I can remember for the past year and a half she'll be laughing in the kitchen or crying in the kitchen. And I'm like, what is she? Goes, That's another Christina video. It's another Christina Aww. video. So you have brought a lot of uh, joy and tears, the good kinds of tears and, and wisdom to our home. And uh, we all really appreciate uh, that impact you've made on us personally. And it's really an honor to have you today. Oh, well, that means a lot. Give your wife a big hug for me. I, I will. Appreciate. I will do that. <laughs> Let's jump right in. Um, you know, I've 
seen so many of your messages and there's so much, and I want to urge people, you know, we're not going to try to fit all of Christina's wisdom into this one episode. So I urge everyone go check out her YouTube site and you'll see you'll, there's so much content that she has and you will find something for you. There really is something for everyone. And I also want people to know who are listening. You know, we have an audience of single people, married people, parents. If you're single and you're listening to this, you're going to hear stuff about marriage. You're going to hear stuff about relationships. That's the wisdom you want as you go into your relationships, as you're building the foundation for you being married one day. And if you're listening to this and you don't have kids, you're going to hear parenting wisdom. You're, it's never too early to start learning and to, to filing away wisdom to help you be a more successful parent one day. You know, uh, one of the things that I've seen about you a lot is that you have gone through uh, ups and downs in life. Uh, why don't you give us all just a, a quick overview of, of the beginning of Christina? What was, what was childhood like for you? So I'm going to try to make this short because I, even though I'm four, almost 43, I feel like I've lived like 90 years of life, right? <laughs> um, I grew up in Croatia. At the time it was Yugoslavia. This was before um, Croatia became an independent country and it was a communist country, um, Yugoslavia at the time. And all of that was normal as you know, anywhere you grow up seems normal because that's all you know. And then when I was 12, a war started. And um, so that was obviously something that was shocking and grew me up pretty fast um, because the normal concerns that a 12 year old usually has of like, what outfit should I wear to school turned into, okay, if I hear this noise, which basement am I going to run into, run to, right? For safety. Um, Eventually my family, when I was starting high school, moved to the United States, Boston area. And um, I was in a new culture, in a new country as a teenager, which being a teenager is already sucky. Um, So that was a whole nother adjustment. And then eventually um, the war in Croatia settled down. My family went back. I decided to stay um, in the US, got married young, right out of college. Um, That marriage was not healthy. Uh, We had two kids and eventually I left. And that's really that period of time after I left and the stuff I went through Basically, I was completely broke. Um, I was sleeping on a floor, sharing a small bedroom with my kids. I couldn't afford an apartment just for us, so we had a. I had a roommate. How long um, was that? Was that marriage, by the way? Five and a half years. And um, but that period of time where I was this, you know, newly divorced single mom, didn't really have a support system right away. I had to eventually build a support system, um, and just more than I mean, I was financially just in a really bad place, begging my landlord every month, like, please don't kick me out. I know my rent is late again, had a list of all the homeless shelters nearby because I was so worried we'd get kicked out and I'd be on the street with my two little kids. I was on food stamps. But more than that, I hated myself. I mean, I, I sunk into such a deep depression and I was convinced my children deserved better than me. Mm. And that period of my life inspired everything I do now, because whether it's humor or whether it's something serious where I really open up and get real vulnerable, I always think I want to be for others what I needed when I was at my lowest. And my lowest was sleeping on that floor, not knowing how I was going to feed my kids and hating myself. Um, And what I needed was I needed to laugh. I needed to know that I wasn't the only one struggling. Um, I needed to know that I didn't need to be perfect. But I also needed, you know, sometimes a kick in the butt of like, what can I do? Right. Yeah. Even if it's small, what can I do? Um, so anyway, so that sort of inspires everything I create. And then more recently, I opened up about um, my oldest son's mental health struggles. And when I was going through my depression, it was very circumstantial. 
and my son's depression is more clinical. And so just trying to figure out how to best support someone who's struggling through mental health. And um, so anyway, so that I was already passionate about mental health, but these last few years with my son and by the way, he's doing great now have really sort of made that passion even stronger. Awesome. Um, You know, the divorce rate today is over 50%, at least it is in California and divorce is common. My parents were divorced. My mom was a single mom. Uh, They were divorced when I was uh, a toddler, even younger, uh, an infant. And uh, I know what it's like to grow up in a home uh, where we were loved. I did not know what it was like to grow up in a home where we were poor, even though I found out years later we were on welfare. And my mom, I, I remember one night my mom crying. That's it. Other than that, I never knew about it, but later on growing up, I saw the pain that, or, or, or learned about the pain that she had gone through. Let, let's talk about marriage for a moment. And what advice can you give people out there while they're dating? Now that you've gotten married, you had those five years, it didn't work. And now you're in a beautiful marriage. What wisdom can you share for people dating? How do they find the right person? Or, or what, can they, what can they bring into a marriage to try to make that marriage more successful? Right. I mean, there's a reason there's like hundreds of books written on this. There's so much to think about. But what I find one of the main things that holds people back from finding the right partner is their own insecurities. Mm. And so they settle. And we all have them. You know, it's, we're never going to get rid of our insecurities. I don't care how many books you read and how many, you know, exercises, mental health exercises you, you will never get rid of your insecurities. We will always have them. But the problem is we give them jobs they're not qualified for. We give them way too much power, right? Instead of telling our insecurities, sit in the corner. I see you acknowledge you're there. I'm not going <laughs> to let you have power over my life. Right, right. Um, you're saying we let them so, define, define us. Yeah, that we yeah. let them lead us, stop us. Right. And so, you know, I find a lot of people, they'll settle for something that isn't healthy necessarily for them because, oh my gosh, he loves me despite, even though I, I made a video called Don't Settle. And then I say, even though, even though I have, you know, these past relationships in the past that didn't work out and, and he knows about that, or even though I'm struggling financially, or even though I have, you know, cellulite, or even though, we sort of settle into something because we get too focused on the romance of it. And instead of look, this is going to sound so unromantic and blah, but you have to look at a marriage as a business partnership, right? Like, yes, the sex and the romance and all of that important, but day-to-day life in a marriage is like a business partnership. And if you don't have complete trust in this person, if you don't, and I don't mean just trust when it comes to like, are they going to cheat on me? That's the first thing people think when think of trust. I think of trust as like, are they going to consider, be considerate to my specific needs, my, you know, what, what hurts me, what pains me, my past, um, and be willing to give that too, right? Um, if you don't consider, I, I always, I've always heard people say like, oh my gosh, I could never be in business with my partner because we don't work well together. Like, Okay, if that's the truth, it's going to be really hard to have a healthy marriage. Right. right? Somebody once said to me earlier on, they said, you know, it's the right person because if you have the biggest meeting of your career life and you're homesick and you can't make it, you could send your your wife, your husband, your partner to represent you and you know they would represent you the best that they could. That's trust. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I The biggest thing I see is people just let their insecurities get in the way. And yeah. once you settle that and, and also... People, people think it's like a fixer-upper episode, you know, that HGTV show. Right. 
okay, I know this person, they have their stuff, but I, I know it's going to get better and they're going to change. <laughs> Listen, marry the person for the way they are. If you, if you, whoever you're dating, if you're not okay with them staying exactly the same with all their little stuff that annoys you 50 years from now, then don't. Right. Nobody's perfect, but you have to realize what you're willing to accept and not accept. And don't think you can just do a fixer up and turn them into something, you know, that's in your fantasy. That's not going to happen. I love it. Well, that's great. So, okay. So after you get married, you, you have this divorce and it's one of the darkest times of your life. You were saying you were depressed. You were, you were poverty stricken. How did you pull out of that pain? And for everyone listening right now, take a moment and focus on whatever pain you're going through or whatever pain you've been through. We all go through pain. And Christina, when I, when I learned about the pain and the struggle of your life, I, I was blown away. And then I was like, wow, she's the real deal. She worked through that. How did you work through it? And emotionally, what was that pain like? I mean, the darkest time was, and I didn't even share this until recent, like in the last few years, I had a list of pros and cons of how my suicide would affect my kids. And nobody knew about this list. Even my closest wow. friends, nobody knew I had this list because I felt all the shame around it, right? Mm. So when I got divorced, my kids were one and a half and three. Mm -hmm. um, and the list of pros, meaning my kids will be better off without me, was longer. And I'll start with this. The, the, I'll start with what I did wrong at the time, which, by the way, getting out of bed when you're that low like congratulations. So we all do a lot of wrong things. Not, I don't even want to call them wrong things. I guess things that don't propel us forward, mm -hmm. right? Things that leave us stuck. And what was leaving me stuck in that darkness was that I was so focused on all the things that I couldn't do that I didn't have. And I don't know why, but it seems like we humans do that much more naturally. We go to the negative much more naturally we, whether we have a lot or we have nothing, it's easier for us to focus on the long list of things I'm not capable of, I can't do, I don't have, I wish I had. And I started instead focusing on the much shorter list, and it will always be a shorter list for everybody, of the things I actually can do and do have in the moment, right? Mm. And sometimes we think it takes something huge to be our turning point, like something big is going to happen. And I actually believe it's the tiny little things that lead us to our turning points. So for me, basically one night I was just feeling really depressed and I kind of felt like I'm tired of myself. Like I'm sick of just how much I think my life sucks and how much I suck. I, I became consumed with self-pity. And so I thought, okay, what is, what is one thing? Is there, even when I feel worthless, is there one thing that I feel confident can do? And Anyway, through this long process of trying to figure out how to stop obsessing over myself and how much my life sucks, I decided to try volunteering. I get rejected from every place because I can't afford a babysitter and I will have to bring a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old one one to volunteer and no place wants toddlers volunteering because they'll burn the place down, let's be honest. Um, and so went into this mode of, okay, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to figure out a way to do something for others so that I'm not only thinking about how much my life sucks. And the only thing I could come up with that I am actually confident in, in all this distress, is that I can cook a great meal. So, of course, the first thoughts that go through my head, every normal human would have, so what, Christina? So what? 
there's nothing special about you knowing how to cook. Millions of people know how to do that. But I decided to just focus on that. It's the one thing I know how to do. And impulsively, without even thinking it through, I sent an email to all my contacts in my area. And I said, every Wednesday night, I'm going to feed people. So if you know someone who is financially distraught, or I don't, maybe they have a ton of money, unlike me, and are just new to town and need some company. Maybe it's a college kid who's a cafeteria food, and maybe it's an elderly person who just lost their spouse, so they're lonely. I don't care as long as you know them, so it's safe for you to bring them into my little apartment, um, bring them over Wednesday night. No idea how I was going to pull this off. So I go to the 99 cent store. I buy some cans of things, literally spend a few bucks because I knew how to spruce things up and make them better. And I make this big pasta dish, nothing special, nothing fancy, nothing extraordinary. And that first Wednesday night, I fed over 30 people. Oh, my gosh. And I literally, I, I couldn't even think about it at the time because people were showing up. And, and, I was, and it was such a tiny apartment that people were literally having to stand outside my front door with their plate. And I'm trying to boil another pot of pasta. And then when everybody left, I, and I'll never forget it, I literally sunk to the floor and I just lost it. I just started sobbing and it was such, that was my turning point. It was the tiniest little thing I did. It was cooking a meal. Who cares? Right. But to me, I realized even when I feel like I have nothing, I have something to offer. Mm. Even when I feel like my life is worth nothing. If I stop focusing on all the things I don't have and can't do and how much my life sucks and instead focus on the simplest thing that I can do in this moment, what a change I can make. Right. And those Wednesday night dinners saved my life. They really saved my life because that, that's no of pros and cons of how my suicide would affect my kids. That got torn away, torn, you know, I tore it up and threw it away. Um, and the crazy thing is these people were emailing me and thankful to me and telling me how much something I did, you know, helped them. And all of a sudden I wasn't a victim. I wasn't, everybody's looking down on me. I was actually providing something for other people. So basically the main lesson, and I still use it today, even though my life is good, but we all have bad days is focus on what you can do in the moment and then do that. And don't allow those voices in your head of like, who cares? It's not a big deal. You're not special for being able to do that. What's that going to lead to? Don't ignore those. Those are your insecurities talking, right? And instead, just do what you can. Don't allow the few things that are completely out of your control, control you completely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Because what I'm hearing you say is that before you did that, you didn't see the value. You didn't look in the mirror and love yourself. You, you were suicidal. You didn't even see your value. And by doing something that you do well for other people, for other people, it's not just you know that Christina went and did something to make her happy. She did something to bring herself meaning, and that was focusing on other people. And by doing that, you got to look in the mirror and see your value again. It yeah, probably didn't I mean, solve your problems overnight, though. No, no. I mean, I, we humans, I write in my book how we humans are always craving a quick fix, mm, right? Yeah. And I compare it to working out. You go right. to the gym once and you're like, where's my six pack? Hello, right? <laughs> I feel like the same is true for our mental health, our emotional well-being, it has to be a consistent exercise, right? We have to consistently do stuff. It's not going to happen overnight, but it also, the good news, so the bad news, it's not going to happen overnight. The good news is it's within our control, right? If we just focus on what can I offer, how can I put good into the world with what I have? 
already mm. without waiting for this or that to happen, without waiting for that big break or more money or more, 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 right? What can I do right now today in this moment and do something with that? That's where change happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, after those years, how, how long was it until you met uh, F- Philip? Is that his name? Yeah. Your new husband. Yeah. I did, your homework. I did my homework. Um, <laughs> he's so rarely in my videos that people, you know, because he's more private that most people don't even But know no, him. he's a trooper because he's in those videos. I mean, I saw there's yeah. a bunch, right? I mean, he's, I, I'm careful to ask him to be in a video, you know, because it's like, I'm going to save it when I, when I really need him in one. Right. Because I want to respect his privacy as much right. as he was. I mean, he knew what he was getting into when he met you, right? He knew you were a well, public figure. When he met me, I wasn't doing videos yet. Aha, okay. Actually, so this is a this is a good story for anybody looking for a partner, <laughs> uh, the type of person to marry. So when we got married, he was in grad school. He decided to change his career. I was still waiting tables um, and pretty broke. So we got a small, you know, we got married, got a small apartment together. And he said, we didn't even go on a honeymoon, couldn't afford a honeymoon. And he said to me, listen, you have been in survival mode, literally the last however many years you've been in survival mode. And now I'm here, we're partners. What do you want to do? And I, I was like, I don't know. Like you said, like, I've just been trying to put food on the table for these kids and stay healthy emotionally. I have, I've had no time to think about my own desires or dreams. And he handed me his car keys and he said, I'm going to take care of dinner and the kids get them to bed. Just go, go somewhere where you can just think and be away from the chaos. And that's all I needed. I drove around for five hours, literally didn't even go, just drove around. Just time for you. Yes. But sometimes I feel like sometimes we have to get away from the noise in order to hear our heart speak because life is so busy. Life is very noisy, right? And there's always stuff on our to-do list and, and new stuff and chaos and marriage and kids. And there's just always stuff and it fills our brain and we can't even stop and go, whoo, what do I need? Mm. Wait, 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 what do I need? Right. And so, um, so I came back from that five hour drive and I said, you know, those Wednesday night dinners and cooking for strangers saved my life. So I want to do something with cooking. Maybe I'll put some recipes online. Maybe I can shoot some videos. My degree is in theater, so I'm comfortable, you know, performing. And he was on board. I mean, this guy was like full-time in graduate school. He had his own stuff going on. And he immediately called friends. Hey, you have a camera? Great. Can you help, you know, film some videos in exchange? We'll get you dinner or whatever. Like he was, he There's was that partnership a partner. you were talking about. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Find someone who will support you in your dreams. And anyway, so that led to me making little cooking videos, which led to me being discovered by Oprah and having a cooking show on her network for a season. But then because of that, um, when I was on TV, and this was not Oprah's fault. In fact, she was off filming a movie and I got stuck with TV execs who decided to make me perfect. A oh, perfect boy. home in a perfect kitchen. They rented this million dollar home for me to do the show in. And I kept sort of raising my hand timidly because I was so grateful for the opportunity right sure, after I yeah. was the show. Right. <laughs> but I was like, um, so I have an idea. I know what moms actually want to see on TV. How about I'm making dinner? My kids are throwing a tantrum in the background. 
and I'm still trying to put dinner together. And you know, that, that sounds like that sounds like a Christina video. There you go. Yes. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not how we do things on TV. You can't do that. And I was like, okay, how do we do an episode where I just woke up? My day old makeup is still on my face. My hair's a mess. I'm in my pajamas, and I and I burn pancakes, and everything's chaotic. But you know, you'll still get a great recipe, and I'll tell you how awesome you are. And they're like, no, that's we've never seen a cooking show like that. And I was like, exactly. That's what oh. that's what people want to see. Because again, <laughs> I kept thinking, what would I when I was sleeping on that floor and depressed? If I turned on the TV with some perfect mom in a million dollar kitchen. That wouldn't make me feel better. That would just right. make me feel worse about that. Right. So anyway, when we, when I did the show and I was sort of forced to be this perfect mom in a perfect kitchen, that's actually what inspired the videos I do now. Is I was like, I feel like I'm betraying that girl sleeping on the floor. Right. And this is I and I don't want to put anything in the world that adds more pain or makes someone else feel more alone. My goal is to make people feel less alone, right? Yeah. And so um anyway, back to my husband. I never would be doing this without him going, what do you need right now? What do you wow. want to do and how can I best support you? That, that's a testament to his character. And also not easy for a guy to, you know, marry a woman with two kids that aren't his. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. how, what was that transition like for him? Was he into, uh, I mean, they're also toddlers, right? They still need help. Yeah, going to the they're bathroom. a little older then, but he has, he had never dated a girl with kids before. So he had like, and he had never been married before. So he had no experience we dated for a while before I even introduced them to him. I was very protective. We never lived together until we married. I just was very protective of, I don't want to bring a guy into their life and then it not work out and then bring another one a few years. Like I just didn't want to do that. And so um, soon after he met them, this one middle of the night, a lot of parents can relate. My daughter wakes up throwing up like projectile vomiting beans and then my son wakes up and he's screaming and I'm exhausted. It's like 2 a.m. And there's vomit and there, I mean, it's just like, you know, two kids screaming, my head is pounding. I'm like, oh God, one of those moments in parenthood where you're just like, can I run away right now? This is insanity. And I picked up the phone and I woke Philip up, we were dating at the time. And I said, do you think you want to be with the mom, a single mom? You, you, th you really? Come on over. Come on over. He had no idea what he was walking into. <laughs> and he was at my place within 20 minutes, which I thought maybe he'll just hang up on me and be like, dude, we'll talk in the morning. I'm going back to sleep. Right. Good luck with he all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're crazy. Yeah. Um, and he showed up and he saw the chaos and he immediately grabbed. I was like, when he, when he came to the apartment, I was on all fours with this rag trying to pick up these vomited beans <laughs> off the carpet. And he, he hope nobody's eating while I'm telling this story, by the way. Right. And he shows up and immediately just saw what was happening, grabbed that gross rag out of my hand, looked at me and said, go lay down, just go lay down. And he cleaned everything up, got my kids cleaned up, tucked them into bed and then came and I was, I was laying and I was sort of numb at that point. And he just said, yes, I want this. I want all three of you. Wow. And that, and I still, even after that, I was a little like doubtful. Can he, can a person handle this? But, um, but he continued to just show me that my kids weren't this, these things he was going to put up with if he marries me. And I think that is the biggest mistake people, single people with kids make 
is that there, and I, I use the word things on purpose because mm. a lot of people will see them as baggage, right? I love this woman or this man so much, but they have kids. I guess I'm going to have to put up with that. Whatever. We'll make the best of it. No. If you are dating someone who does not treat your children as their own, not in the sense that they're stepping over the real, you know, the biological parents, you know, yeah. toes or anything like yeah. that, but just has that kind of love for them and respects them and values them, then get out. It is not worth it. Get mm. out. Don't ever, don't ever let your child feel like, you know, a second rate citizen in their own home or like baggage or any of that. I mean, it's just, he, I actually asked my husband to write part of my book, just a small chapter on being a step parent because I've never been a step parent. And he, right. the way he describes it is so beautiful and he's very honest about the challenges of it, but yeah, he's, he has mastered it. I mean, wow. he's really, really good. And my kids now, my oldest two are almost 17 and 18. One is 18. One is almost 17 and they adore him. I mean, they, I was waiting for the time that they would say to him, you don't tell me what to do. You're not my real dad. Or one of those things that you hear about, or you see movies. Yeah. And they've never had that with him ever because he respects them and he values them. And it's, he never leaves room for doubt. Beautiful. That's incredible. You know, you're making me think uh, of a friend. I have a very, very dear friend who is going through a very difficult divorce right now. Um, and she has uh, two kids, one's older, one's younger. And, you know, we've been talking a lot lately and I told her the other day, you know, I know you're going through the, the rain right now and you're in this, all this pain and this transition, but I do see for you down the line that you will find love again, because there's so many wonderful qualities that you have that you yeah. can offer. And she doesn't see it in herself. What message do you give her for hope for okay. the future? I was just going to tell you, first of all, I want you to, after we're done, I, I'm not kidding. I want you to email me either your address or writers. I want to send her my book. Wow. Because this is like everything I wrote in my book is literally what I needed to hear at that time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's wonderful. And Thank you. The title of my book actually is what I would say to her. I mean, there's so much I would say to her, which is why I think she should read the book. Cause obviously there's a lot, but the title of my book is hold on, but don't hold still. And that was sort of my mantra when I was going through it. Once, once I actually got rid of that list of, you know, pros and cons, and I decided to fight for my life, hold on, but don't hold still, meaning hold on to hope, hold on to what is good right now. Hold on to people who are supporting you and loving you. Do not push them away mm. because it's so easy for us when we're struggling to just like shut down, close off. And, and just go, you know what? I'm in such yeah. a bad place. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I don't want, you know, I don't want anyone to see how much pain I'm in. We push people away when really that's the time we should be opening doors and going, please come into my mess and, and help hold me up, please. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's the hold on part, right? And then don't hold still, meaning don't stay stuck. You've got to be proactive. And again, our best is not going to look the same every day, right? And that's okay. Our best Sundays is going to be doing something, you know, starting a new hobby, start calling up a therapist, doing whatever to be able to move forward. And other days, our best is going to look like barely rolling out of bed, serving cereal to our children for all three meals and going, you know what? I, I showed up for my kids today. This is the best I could do today. It's mm. a hard day, but yeah. this was my best today. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. 
Right. So that's the don't hold still. Just keep one tiny little step forward. You don't have to run. You don't have to take big leaps. Those tiny steps will add up. Yeah. Amazing. You know, in a world right now where social media is so is so our vehicle for sharing our lives with other people and with the world. And even if we're not trying to look perfect, we're not, you know, look, I worked at Disney for years uh, as an animator and I worked in the parks uh, in Disney world. I was working on the movie Mulan. And I remember me and my friends would go to the magic kingdom, you know, with Cinderella's castle. You will love this, Christina. This is like, this is so you. Okay. And everybody when they go to Disney world, every family has a checklist of what they want. They want that picture, that perfect picture in front of the castle, the sun setting or the fireworks or whatever. And let me tell you, Christina, for years, I saw families fighting, arguing that dad yelling at his kid stand there. We got to get this freaking picture. And then they're all like smiling through their tears. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Like, hey, happiest yeah. place on earth. That's Disney World, right? Happiest place on earth. Yeah. I mean, he'd be like, you want to go on Space Mountain? You better hold still right now for this picture. Yeah. What I keep hearing you talk about is permission to be flawed, permission yeah. to not look perfect. And you know, with social media and everything today, what's so refreshing about your message is you're saying, be vulnerable. Not only do you not have to pretend to be perfect, for them. But when you look in the mirror, don't try for you. It seems like when someone follows your recipe here, they're going to end up loving themselves more. They're going to they're going to just be a happier person. That's such a strong message. I mean, the it's so dangerous the whole idea of us feeling this pressure to be perfect. It's yeah. so dangerous because it's literally unrealistic, right? And even when you try your hardest and you're exhausted, and let's be honest, it is exhausting to try and you know, portray your life as perfect. Mm. All it's doing is actually making you feel worse about yourself because you know the little secret. You feel like a fraud because <laughs> you know the secret right. that you cleaned your house, the background, right before you took that picture. Right. Or your kid was screaming right before that. You know that your life's not perfect, but you're going to try so hard to make everybody believe this lie. And here's the thing. So it's making us feel worse, right, in the long run, because nobody should live with that kind of pressure. Yeah. And also it's making the rest of the world feel worse because people are comparing and going, well, I want her marriage. Well, I want her kids. Well, I want her home when really they're not seeing reality. So it's like we're healing the world and ourselves when we just accept that being imperfect doesn't mean you're inadequate. Not knowing all the answers doesn't mean you're inadequate. Not having it all figured out doesn't mean you're inadequate. Not having a perfect marriage does not mean you're inadequate. Making mistakes as a parent does not mean you're inadequate. It means you're human. It just means you're human. So just accept that. And that it, it, to me, when you when I stopped chasing perfection and ch- stopped trying to prove something, I felt like I could finally breathe. It really, it, it genuinely felt like, like physically I felt different. Right, the weight right? was lifted. Wow. Yes, yes. You're never gonna, you're never gonna be truly able to be kind to yourself, genuinely kind to yourself. If you're chasing perfection, you can't, you, those, those two cannot coexist mm-hmm. chasing perfection and being genuinely, you know, kind and forgiving of yourself cannot coexist. So I always remind myself like life's tough stuff is less tough when we're not so tough on ourselves. Yeah. So stop being so hard on yourself. Stop chasing this. You're literally chasing an unrealistic thing. Yeah. You know, there's a video that I keep thinking of you, the one that made me crack up. I think the first one I saw 
with you. I think it was you in a kitchen scooping out ice cream. <laughs> and you, you're like, you're like, my kids hate me right now. And you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to eat this ice cream. Tell us about that video and where that came from. So uh, all my stuff is inspired by real life, my messy real life. Um, all my three kids were mad at me. I think at that time I had a teenager, preteen and a toddler, which is a fun combination to have. <laughs> and, um, and they were all mad at me for different reasons. I probably told one to, you know, no more screen time and another one probably had a consequence for something. And another one wasn't allowed to eat candy for dinner. I don't even remember, but they were all mad at me. And I was like, all right. So I went into room and I got some wine and some ice cream and I turned on the camera and I said, all three of my kids are mad at me right now for like completely different unrelated reasons. All three are mad at me right now. For those of you who struggle with math, that means that 100% of my children are angry with me right now. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. You know why? Because I am not their buddy. I am their parent. They are angry at me because I parented them. Now here's the good news. If you're trying to do the right thing and parent your children, them not liking you is not terminal. It's not gonna last forever. You know what's terminal? Them turning into entitled bratty adults the rest of the world now has to deal with. That's terminal. But them not liking you, that's not gonna last forever. And I have some more good news. At least one brand of ice cream at your grocery store now is on sale. So go get it. <laughs> I love that video. The reason parents give in, the reason parents care, like, oh my gosh, my kid's mad at me. Maybe, maybe I need to give it. All goes back to letting our insecurities lead us, right? Giving them jobs right. they're not qualified for. Right. So even that, I feel like people responded so strongly to that video. Um, I think that video is called I'm Not Your Friend, Kid, if anybody wants to look it up. But, because, um, because I love you, right? Yeah, because I love you. Right. Um, I think the reason people responded so strongly to that video is because, again, I gave parents permission to say, yes, parenting is hard and it's supposed to be. It doesn't make you a bad parent. And yes, my kids don't like me right now, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad person, right? Like just giving parents permission to be human and to admit that not loving 100% of, you know, parenting doesn't mean you don't love your kids 100% of the time. Yeah. Everyone check out that video. That video has uh, actually checked uh, last night. It has over 1,239,000 views. So anyone listening, add yourself to that number and you will have an incredible laugh and walk away with some great wisdom. Um, you know, look, I, I grew up with very loving parents and um, there was a phrase and my mom will listen to this. And she will roll her eyes when she hears it, uh, that my mom would say to us, and look, she was juggling and three kids and then she remarried and she had a career and, you know, everything that goes into it. And sometimes I would ask her to do something and she'd say no. And I'd say why? And she would say, because I said so. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't like that phrase growing up very much. You know, I did not like that. And I actually have said to myself. I will never say that phrase as a parent. Now, I did actually say it once. And then, of course, I laughed and was more sympathetic to my mom. But you you shared an idea about that phrase. I would love you yeah. to share as a tool for our audience. Yeah. So I decided years ago to replace because I said so. And I'm, I don't care what 
parents say the truth is we've all at least thought it if not said it out loud because life is busy and this kid is questioning us and we're trying to do what is right for them not make them happy necessarily in the moment what is right for them long term and it's you know it's like the easy thing easy response so i started replacing because i said so with because i love you like why do i have to you know do my chores because I love you and I want to teach you how to do this. So you can take such great care of yourself and your family someday. That's great. I'm going to try Yeah. Why can't I do this unhealthy thing? You're not letting, because I love you so much and I want you to be healthy. (laughs) I'm trying to just replacing because I said so, because I love you. Um, I don't know. And it also, it's not just for the kid to hear, which is important, but it's a reminder to us, Mm. right? I am, I am doing the hard parts of parenting, the parts that really are complicated and take time and take energy and sometimes, you know, cause my child not to like me. I'm doing it because I love them. I love them so much. And I want what's best for them long-term, not necessarily right now in the moment to make them happy. Right. It's not a battle of wills. It's not a control thing. It's not, you know, I have the power to do that. It's, I love you and and you may not like it, but it's all coming from love. And you remind yourself, that's awesome. I made a video after that, that explained that while I do not consider myself, my kid's friend, I am their biggest ally. And there's a difference there, right? Like kids need somebody to be in charge. I I always compare it to this when people are like, oh, my, my kids, my BFF. Well, first of all, we probably have different definitions because I would never go to my kid and open up about like really stressful stuff, like marriage issues, but I would go to my BFF, right? So maybe we're just defining BFF differently. But, um, but the way I describe it in my book is if you are new to a business, let's say you're a new employee and you walk into this big intimidating building and you don't have somebody who's going to show you around and guide you and and show you the right ways to do things. And you're actually going to feel more insecure Mm. and more lost. And you're going to feel more confident if you feel like there is somebody there to guide me and teach me right from wrong and what I'm, you know, how to, how to do my work basically. Right. So if you compare that to parenting, kids actually do better when they have us be somebody that is in charge and that does have rules and there are consequences, they become more confident than if we're just like, whatever, I just want you to like me because I'm your BFF. Right. They want that structure. They they want to know. Uh, It doesn't mean it's going to be easy for them, but they will grow and they will learn ultimately self-confidence through that. Yeah. And my oldest son, like I mentioned earlier, he went through some serious mental health struggles and he was in a psychiatric hospital at one point and he was self-medicating. Now he's two years sober, which is amazing. Um, And just even going through all of that, I mean, finding that balance, right, of being his ally and everything and and him hating me at times, but me knowing I have to do this thing that he's going to hate, but but I'm, I'm looking out for his best interest, right? I'm doing this because I love you has so paid off. The hard mm. stuff of parenting has so paid off because this kid is like so grateful to me. Wow. He feels so close to me. He opens up to me not because I was his buddy during that time, but because I was his parent during that time. Wow. And there is a difference. Yeah. Well, what was the most difficult moment there? I mean, I know there's a lot online people can go find, but if you yeah. can just give us a taste, what was the most difficult moment with that relationship? Um, there was a night where he, and we actually did a video. I really encourage anybody who knows anybody with mental health struggles. And let's be honest, that's every human being to watch it. Um, It's pinned to the top of my Facebook page. It's also on my Instagram and it's on YouTube and it's called um, 
my son and I open up about mental health and addiction. And he wanted to do this on his own, which I was surprised by. And I gave him seven months to change his mind. And he literally opened up about everything. And it is so powerful to hear it, to hear a teen's perspective, right? Um, but anyway, the probably hardest point was when I had to call the police and have him put on a 72-hour psychiatric hold. And then he ended up in a psychiatric hospital for 10 days and then in a residential treatment center for six weeks because he was so suicidal and he was trying to numb that with drugs and pills and all sorts of things. And it just, this one night, everything got out of hand and I had to call the police. And for any parent that has had to call the police on their child and then have them handcuffed and taken away and then strapped down to be taken into a psychiatric hospital. I mean, it's so painful. I, I don't even know the words for it. It's so painful. Um, I just think it's good to, we, we need to, as adults, we need to spend more time listening to our children. Yes, like I said before, they need a parent, they need a guide, but you cannot be a good parent if you're not listening and paying attention. And one thing I've learned through parenting teenagers is talk less, listen more, because you can't help someone if you're not listening and actually realizing what the, what the, what the root of the problem is. Amazing. We label these kids so often as just like bad kids, rebellious kids, instead of saying, where is this pain coming from and how can we deal with the pain? And if they're thinking of you as a parent, as someone who's listening first, not judging them first, then hopefully they'll mm-hmm. come to you more, right? And they'll share yeah. their struggles more. And, and don't we all want that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, even, yeah, even as adults, don't we all want somebody to just hear us instead of immediately judge us? I've learned that. <laughs> One thing I, I talk about in that video is how I had to learn when a negative behavior requires a consequence and when it requires help and support. And that is so important because if we're not dealing with the root of the problem, it doesn't matter how many consequences we give our children, it's going to continue. And it's going to continue into adulthood and it's going to affect every relationship they have. Yeah. So we got to deal with the root of the problem. And, and still now he's over 18. He actually lives right now. He's living three hours away for a job. And every day I will call him or text him and say, how can I best support you today? And I feel like if we can give that to our loved ones, whether it's our spouse, our kids, how can I best support you today? We're not assuming we know what they need. We're not assuming we know what kind of day they're having. We're just saying, I love you. And I want to know how to actively love you today. Beautiful. Christina, thank you for sharing all this wisdom. I had noticed on your YouTube channel, I think on your website, is that you uh, produced a song uh, with Kelly Beck. And uh, the song is Yes, I Am. Everyone check it out. And it's a, it's a great video. And there was a lyric in that song that really, really moved me. Uh, the lyric is, I am who I was before you told me who to be. What an incredible line. Tell us just quickly about that song and, and how it came to fruition. So the and, is, chapter, and, is there, and is there more music coming? <laughs> <laughs> so the second chapter of my book is all about how my whole childhood, I was told I was too much. I was too loud. I was too talkative. I was too curious. I was too, 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 too much. And when you're told you're too much, it leaves you feeling like you're not enough. And having to heal through that as an adult, which ironically, all the stuff I was labeled as, like all the labels that were put on me as negative, 
ended up being my greatest strengths when I learned to use them wisely, because look what I do for a living. I'm loud. I'm talkative. I have to be curious. Right. So, um, so it came from that inspiration of kind of what people put on us, the labels they put on us. And instead of defending it or excusing it or trying to change it going, yes, I am. I am loud. I am this, I am that, you know, but you know what, I'm going to use it to my advantage. Um, so that line, I am who I was before you told me who to be. You can be a parent who was super judgmental, negative. It can be the world, right? It can be an ex who was emotionally abusive and always putting you down. It can be the society, the magazines, social media, whatever. Um, it's just so powerful for us to be authentic. I mean, I think every person can do this little exercise where they think about the labels that were put on them as negative and go, well, wait, are they negative? Mm. Or can they actually be positive if I just learn to focus them and use them wisely? What a message. I, I bring movies into uh, the podcast a lot. There's a lot of wisdom from film. Um, movies have impacted me and, and so many people in the world. Is there a movie or a scene in a movie that gets you? Like what movies have you loved? Or is there a moment? I mean, for me, it was like terms of endearment. You know, the mom is dying. The two boys are by her bed. I was in high school watching that movie. And the older brother is standing there and he's being angry towards mom because she's dying. And the younger one's crying. You remember that scene? Why don't you shut up? Shut up! You shut up. Ted, give me a kiss. Come on. Tommy, you be sweet. And stop trying to pretend like you hate me. I mean, it's silly. I like you. Yeah. Have you seen that? Right. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. Deborah Winger, like that scene, like it, that scene is with me every day, literally, yeah. uh, as far as respecting my mom and showing love to my mom. And I remember that moment for you. What are the movies or those scenes in movies that have affected you or inspired you? It's always the scenes where there's that realization of I assumed something wrong about a person. Right. I mean, the, this is such a classic and it's probably because it's the only VHS uh, <laughs> my parents owned when we were in Croatia was Sound of Music. It's literally only VHS we owned. I had the whole movie memorized. For me, it's always movies that like make you bawl and cry. Well, you know, yeah. going back to Sound of Music for a minute, there's a very, very powerful scene there that really illustrates your message when the uh, the father wants his kids to be perfect, right? He, yeah. he's, blow, he's blowing the whistle and everything. And then he has yeah. this new woman he's dating and he's about to introduce the Baroness to his kids and they show up drenched and wearing the cloth that she had sewn from the curtains and he doesn't even, they're hanging from trees. Do you remember when they're driving right. back? And he yeah. can't believe they're his children. And he's yelling at everybody. Do you mean to tell me that my children have been roaming about Salzburg, dressed up in nothing but some old drapes? Mm-hmm. And having a marvelous time. They have uniforms. Oh, straight jackets, if you'll forgive me. I will not forgive you for that. The children cannot do all the things they're supposed to do if they have to worry about spoiling their precious clothes. The... Well, they wouldn't dare. They love you too much. They fear you too I don't much. wish you to discuss my children in this manner. Well, you've got to hear from someone. You're never home long enough I to said know I them. I don't want to hear any more from you about I my children. I know you don't, but you've got to. And he basically fires Maria. Now, you will pack your things this minute and return to the Abbey. And then there's that great moment. I have goosebumps right now. There's that great moment when she's in the room, uh, the Baroness, and the kids start singing for her. Beat like the wings of the birds that rise from the lake to the tree. 
And then the father joins them in the song. sudden his rigidness and high expectations for his kids just melts away and he apologizes you brought music back into the house i'd forgotten i'd forgotten what music can bring to to our lives music just shattered his idea that everything had to be perfect yeah i love that scene that's i mean that's probably the best scene in the whole movie and there's a lot of things yeah but also if you think about it it was his ego Right. It goes back to the ego of how are the kids. And I think he even says in one scene how, you know, what is it going to make him look like if his kids are acting this way or dressed this way? Right. It all goes back to the ego, which is like probably one of the top five parenting things. I, in fact, there's again, a whole chapter of my book that's titled kids first ego last, like how much better of not just parents, but spouses we can be if we don't lead with ego. Right. And what are people going to think? I mean, gosh, how many times right. have I heard parents go, but what will so-and-so think? Who cares what so-and-so will right. think, right? And, um, and so once he was able to put that ego aside, he was able to feel and connect, you know? And just be happier and the hills are alive with yeah. the sound of music. Um, <laughs> Christina, thank you so, so much for giving your time, not just to me, but, and to our audience, but to the world, um, you know, just thinking about you and your life, how you took the pain and started focusing on other people and the ripple effect that you've had in the world. I mean, the billions of people that have watched your videos and these videos are recent. I mean, they're only just a couple of years. I can't only imagine the effect and impact that your wisdom will have on years to come. And it's really overwhelming and it's beautiful. And I urge everyone, please check out her book. Uh, Hold on, but don't hold still. You can check it out on Amazon. Also, please follow her on Instagram, check out her Facebook page, Uh, any other places we should find you, Christina? Or is that basically... TikTok, which makes me feel very old. Um, (laughs) Again, thank you for for really uh, giving all of us such great wisdom. You've been the most wonderful addition to our family, all of your humor. And guys, get ready to laugh. When you watch Christina do her thing, you will be laughing out loud. So check out her stuff if you want just wisdom and you want to laugh and you really want to find hope and humor. Thank you so much, Christina. You've inspired me a lot today. I really appreciate you. You should know. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here today listening. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. Please again, subscribe, like us, rate us, review us, share us with your family and friends. And I truly hope that each and every one of you has an incredible life and not just a life that's good and not just a life that's great but that each and every one of you has a life of awesome. Until my kids are adults, I am not their friend. We are not on the same level. I'm the authority. 
my child's well-being is more important to me than my child's opinion of me. My job is not to be liked by my kid, and I don't take it personally when my kid doesn't like me. And honestly, if my kids like me 100% of the time, I'm probably failing at parenting.